Hello, welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 304 for October 5th, 2020. Today's guest is Sol Eubanks. He's a musician, photographer, social media person, meme maker, and designer who uses his work to advocate for animal liberation and veganism. Super great conversation, yet another super great conversation. I know you're going to love it. I am your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for over 15 years. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com, or you can just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at MichaelHeron.com, hit me up on social media everywhere as at MichaelHeron, or email MikeyPod at gmail.com. I don't have a lot of me stuff to check in with, but this is the time I typically do that. If you're listening to this from way in the future, um, I kind of feel like putting these timestamps here that we are still in the coronavirus pandemic. Things in the United States are wild, to put it in a perhaps non- <laughs> non uh specific way um just as a little time stamp the, the i'm recording this during the time when um president i don't want to say his name because it might be triggering um is infected with the coronavirus um he announced this on friday i'm recording this on sunday the podcast goes up tomorrow on monday so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. That's that's it. That's all I have to say about it. I just want to put these little moments in here so we can, you know, if you're listening from the future, you could know exactly what's <laughs> going on, like where this podcast fits in history. I think about that a lot lately because I've been doing the podcast for so long and so much has changed in the world, of course, as it does. Um, another thing I want to throw out and and I don't really have a good handle on this. Um, podcastindex.org. I was listening to this on um, the Blueberry podcast. Blueberry is the host where I host my podcast. They've been in the business. They've been in the business since the early days back. I think they started right after I started podcasting. But the, the founder, Todd Cochran, uh, started podcasting before I did. Anyway, the this podcast index thing has me thinking differently like... Uh, it's great the way that podcasting has like taken off and it's become this kind of corporate feeling thing. But there's an interesting movement um, that Adam, uh, oh no, what's his name? The pod father, Adam Curry, the guy that invented podcasting with Dave Weiner way back when. He has started this, I, I still don't have my head around it, but it's podcastindex.org. And the idea that it's a separate directory that's, ju- that's, that's, uh, separate, like, um, oh my gosh, this is already getting too nerdy and I don't even really understand it. Uh, Apple podcast was iPod, I, uh, iTunes and podcasts were, um, when it, when iTunes started adding podcasts after I started podcasting PS, their directory became kind of like the go-to and a lot of people use this directory. Um, a lot of other apps just use the iPod, uh, the iTunes, which is now Apple Podcasts um, directory. And it's kind of like the, the the main place, the place that's considered like complete. But the thing about it is, and, I, and all of this has made me think differently about a lot of things. If Apple decides that a podcast isn't suitable for their directory, it 
comes out of that. And when it does, it'll come out of all these other podcasts. So it's interesting what podcast uh, index is doing. And that is to have something that is separate from iTunes that is um, safe from being censored. And I think I've been thinking about censorship a lot lately and what what the various levels of it are. And I don't even want to start talking about it because I'm still like figuring out what I feel about it. But the thing that is interesting is it made me realize I value that too. So I think it's really cool to kind of see where that's headed. Like, I wonder if that's going to be some other thing. Anyway, it's been on my mind about podcasting. And also, my podcast is in all the directories, including Spotify, which is starting to bother me because people pay to use Spotify, not everyone, I think, and I think you can listen to podcasts for free, but the idea that Spotify, which already way underpays the artists whose music it makes money off of, is now going to potentially make money or get attention because my podcast is listed there. And believe me, I'm not there. We aren't talking about thousands or hundreds of listeners to this podcast, which is fine. So it's not like I could pull my podcast from Spotify. It probably wouldn't affect them at all. But it would affect it's starting to affect me thinking about the fact that my music as a musician is on Spotify and I get a couple bucks every now and then from people streaming it. Um but I don't know, do we really want to be putting our stuff on Spotify and helping them make more and more money when they're not I don't get anything from my podcast being on Spotify. Um and I get very little for my music being on Spotify. And at my level of artist, I think it's good in a way. There's a benefit to having it on like this platform, right? Because a lot of people use this platform and that means they might find my music because they're searching for whatever. Um, But it's an interesting call. It's an interesting call. So I'm starting to think, do I want to take my podcast out of Spotify? I don't know. Anyway, do you have any thoughts on that? MikeyPod at gmail.com. Anyway, I, I just wanted to, t- to throw that out there because it's been on my mind lately. Um, and that's it. Um, two things before we get into this interview with Soul Eubanks. It's so good. Side note. Well, three things. One of them is I made a little mistake when recording the beginning of this on my end of the recording. I think I'm going to be able to fix it. But if you hear something weird, just know that it's going to go away within like a minute or two. I think I'm going to be able to fix it. We'll see. We'll see how that all goes. Uh, the other thing is I want to give a quick thank you to my subscribers on Patreon who power this podcast. There are precisely 100 subscribers on Patreon. Um, these are people who subscribe for $5 or more a month and get special perks like tons of free downloads of my music and my zines, and they get zines mailed to them, and bonus podcasts. Uh, last week's bonus podcast was the 50th. This week's will be the 51st, obviously. Um So I make a bonus podcast for almost every podcast episode. I just said podcast like 20 times that you'll have immediate access to when you subscribe. And this Wednesday, I'll be posting an exclusive deeper conversation with this week's guest, Sol Eubanks, which is the first in a series of podcasts, bonus podcasts that I'm like, oh no, this was really good. I think I should make this public. Um, I, I decided... Probably not. I might take some of it out and put it in the main podcast, but this conversation was good. So you can find it at patreon.com slash Michael Heron. If you'd like to subscribe, that would be wonderful. If you can't or don't want to, MikeyPod.com podcasts are always going to be free. I mean, always in 
the general sense. Like, I can't imagine. No, I'm, these are free. Um, okay, so the last thing is um, today's guest, Sol Eubanks, is a musician among the many other things <laughs> that he does. Um, and this is one of his tracks. It's called Summer's Gone. And he told me how to pronounce it. So I'm worried I've got it wrong. I, Soul, and Evolution Be Known. Uh, this is called Summer's Gone. And my apologies, Soul, if I mispronounce that. That was Summer's Gone by Soul Eubanks, and joining me on the podcast right now is Soul Eubanks. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm always excited to talk to new people and have great conversations. So thanks for having me here. I love talking to activists who are also artists and creators. And you like have so many of these different, <laughs> so many different categories, right? You're a, <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. You're an animal rights activist. You're a musician. You have a YouTube channel. You do activism apparel. You're a photographer. Did I leave anything out or is that... <laughs> Um, maybe, oh, I do video. Well, you mentioned my YouTube channel. So yeah, I'm a videographer. So that obviously, um, shows itself throughout my YouTube channel. But yeah, I think that about covers it. Yeah. Um, so let's talk, um, well, let's talk about music since that's how we started the show. Um, you recorded as, uh, a soul, um, that song summer's gone. Is there any like background about that song you could tell us? Oh, so that song and most of the music that, is on that project was written, what is this, 20, this is 2020. So that was, I think 2015-ish when I wrote um, all of, well, a lot of that and recorded it and released it in 2016. And um, a lot of the music that I make is honestly, I look at it as a form of therapy, which is why it's hard for me to ever think that I can 
use music for anything other than therapy. Like some people are just natural born musicians and can, you know, entertain people and, you know, sell records and tour. But, you know, I was thinking of doing that earlier in my life when I wanted to be a musician for a living as a career. But the more and more that I started to create music and realized that I, I didn't really want to be involved in industry things. I just kind of wanted to create music as a form of therapy. So the things that I talk about in my music are just kind of like my reflections on life, um, growing up as a black man in America, dealing with the stress of that, um, dealing with systemic racism, my development, you know, coming of age, how these things impact me. And, you know, that's, that song right there is eerily significant right now. It's, it's sad, you know, how significant that or how relative that song is to these times right now. Yeah, that's that's one of the things about the song that I was listening to before I talked to you. I was like, oh, summer's gone. That'll be good because the podcast is, you know, we're at the end of summer. So cool. And then I started listening to the words. and was like, oh, shit, this is like timely <laughs> for a lot of other reasons, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. Great. So my YouTube channel is I will say I haven't been devoting as much time to it lately as um, I would like to. And I'm thinking about revamping it and doing some new diff um, new and creative things with it or even changing it or altering it. But essentially, the channel came about because when I first started becoming vegan, I started to watch a lot of YouTubers online and I would have to go to different channels for different things. And I really thought that it would be awesome if I could have um, if there was one channel that was devoted to a lot of the, uh, a lot of the different things that I would like to uh, absorb content wise. So I was looking at a lot of, you know, outreach, uh, vegan outreach from people like Earthling Ed. Um, I was looking at videos that were covering um, different animal rights uh, events and marches and rallies and things like that. Then I noticed that there was a lack of vegan coverage for things like um, Veg Fest and things like that. So I decided to bring them all into one space and put my... I don't know, my hip hop cultural flavor and style on that, on all of those things. So that's kind of how that channel came about. That's why I called it Culture Vegan, because it was the entire culture of veganism, not just food, not just activism. I wanted to cover apparel, all different types of things that are impacted by veganism. Mm. There's there's a like an ongoing sort of challenge I have with my, my work, because I... I'm similar in that I, I do activism. I'm also a musician and I try to dabble in YouTube, though not nearly as um, accomplished as you are. But, you know, I do a lot of different things. And it's just been recently that I started realizing, like, wait a minute, all of it. Like, I felt like I was doing all these removed things. Right. And it was just recently that I realized, oh, wait a minute, this is all what I do. Like, did you have a, a a time like that where it felt like the things you did didn't connect and then it sounds like if you did there must have been some process toward feeling connected with them oh that is a great question i think yes and no and i think that it feels like that constantly for me i think partly because just as a creative you always think of new ideas new things and it may not always 
tie in perfectly to the last thing you did or the next thing that you're working on or something you're working on currently. So yeah, a lot of times I do feel like a lot of the creative things that I do, or not even just creative, but a lot of the things that I do don't have the cohesion that I would like. But I will say definitely working within activism and advocacy work and now is within the last couple of years is really starting to form and make sense. But I would say before that, I just was doing a lot of different things creatively. Uh, creatively. Like I had a photo show one year, I was doing a documentary one year and they were about two totally separate different things. And it just felt like, you know, what am I doing? I'm just creating to create, but I wanted to create with purpose and have a, a common theme behind it, or at least just a, a, a driving force behind it. And I definitely feel that I've come into shape with that a lot more recently. Mm. So, so activism and veganism kind of like connected the dots for you. Yeah. With all of these different pieces. Absolutely. Um, big, yeah. So when I was doing photography, I was doing a lot of photography that was based on um, just landscape types of photography. So it was just pretty pictures. It didn't have like a lot of emotion or a lot of feel. It just looked nice. It was like, okay, this would look great if you just hang it up. And it was a lot of nighttime photography, a lot of landscape photography. And like I said, I was doing the film stuff, but I did a, a short documentary about a Black Lives Matter protest. I think it was 2014 to 2015. And um, I just couldn't find out how to make everything work. But when I became vegan and started doing activism and I started to see the need for my talents in all of these spaces, it just, you know, connected. And it wasn't even intentionally. You know, I was thinking about this recently, how all the years of... Um, college I went through, um, just me being an artist back in the day, and still to a certain degree now, I mean, I'm still an artist, you never are not an artist, but yeah, now it kind of all makes sense, and it's just all kind of connected, since I found like a common theme that I want to um, have, th that I want to do work through, throughout the entirety of my life. For some reason, I always feel like the vegan, like, how did you go vegan? Always is like the go-to question, but I'm sincerely like now I'm like, wait, so how did this all fall into place? You were making art and then then veganism became a part of your life and then it all came together. Does that sound about right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I think my story starts off with hip hop. That is the first. Well, that is the first form of creativity that I fell in love with. I'll say that I'm a creative. So I think creativity is the passion that I have, or one of the passions that I have in life, but that was the first one that I knew I could, that really reflected me and that really made me feel more alive. So I would say around 12 or 13, I really just started um, writing rhymes, um, listening to rap a lot more heavily than just, you know, listening to it as a form of entertainment. I started, you know, writing and started getting into uh, groups with friends and doing rapping and, you know, doing a little bit of shows. Maybe in my early 20s, I was I didn't do a lot of shows because, like I said, I was still discovering that entertaining people is just not my thing. But creativity is my thing. Mm. So, um, yeah, I was just 
finding all of these different ways to be creative. So the art is really the first love of my life. So I gave a lot of time and energy to hip hop, to, you know, making music, spending money on merchandise, albums, pressing up CDs and all of these different types of things. And um, yeah, that was initially the first thing that really captivated me. And I was a vegetarian for about 10 years during that time, but it wasn't, I wasn't a vegetarian for ethical reasons. I was just um, something that I wanted to do for my diet. Mm-hmm. But about four or five years ago, um, I left my job in corporate America and I started to just evaluate the kind of person that I wanted to be, discovered veganism. And that's how I started to use all of these other tools into my activism. And it benefits me now, even with my Instagram and Twitter and all these different types of things. I don't think I would have a platform if I wasn't a creative person, if I wasn't really good at writing words and knowing how, um, you know, how to flip metaphors and similes and double entendres and things like that, Mm. that came from hip hop. I don't think my Twitter account or my Instagram page would be nearly as interesting. So it, it, yeah, it just all came together from being a creative, being in hip hop, and now me doing advocacy work. I'm so glad you you said it like that because I, I think that's one of the reasons why I like why I like doing like creative work that has to do with my passion for veganism and advocating for animals and the various different things. I, I like for people who are listening who might be creative or might be activists to kind of look at like what is unique about you like what are you passionate about that's not just you know like if combining the things we're passionate about like in in your case in my case creating things and activism like you found a way with your instagram like all all of it started like feeding itself and it informs all the different pieces of of your hip-hop world and writing help inform how you communicate about animals i think it's really important for people to like look at their own thing and see how they can combine the things they're good at to to do their advocacy. Oh, that is 1000% correct. It's like activating different parts of your brain and then you can pull all of those things together for when you need them. So the right and the left side of your brain, you do different things and and you don't know how they're going to impact, you know, your everyday life. So just for example, just walking outside and being in nature or hanging out with friends, you know, if you're doing a lot of work and you just need to decompress, you know, you could spend the next, you know, 12 or 16 hours constantly working, but sometimes your your brain needs to absorb different things and have different experiences because those things like trigger certain things in your mind. And once you go back to what you were doing, you may see things differently. It's like, it's like, seeing the code in the matrix. You know, I had a certain experience and I went out hanging out with some friends and maybe we were joking and, you know, we just had a really good time. It just increased the way that I feel and my energy. Now I am thinking about my advocacy or whatever work I do in a different light and I'm seeing it differently. So yeah, it, it is very interesting to your point. Yeah. Has, has there ever been a time when you were surprised about how effective your creative work is like uh, i think about um i i did like a artist residency 
uh, at a sanctuary and I wrote a show about it, which turned into an album. And I recorded like the spoken word, like storytelling parts of it at this little studio in my neighborhood with this guy that I know. And I used to teach music to his kid. So I forgot that I was telling like an animal advocating story. I was just in there like, okay, I got to record it. We were talking about all that stuff. And it wasn't until like a couple of days later when he was riding his bike down the street and like he kind of shouted out to me. It's like, man, those stories really stuck with me. And I was like, oh my God, I was advocating for animals while I was doing something else. Like I, it didn't even dawn on me that like, oh, this is another layer of how it can be effective to do, to do that. Have you had those moments with like your photography or, or anything like that? Honestly, yeah, my social media in general. Um, like when I first started my, I've, I've had Instagram and Twitter for what, maybe 10 years or so, but I've never used them for anything particular. So when I started doing advocacy work with them, um, I didn't even intend for the things that I say and that I create to really catch people's attention. It was just me sharing my thoughts. And like I said, I've been sharing my thoughts for five or 10 years. So when I'm sharing my thoughts about advocacy work and I'm starting to see people, you know, pay attention or, you know, like what I say or share what I say, I'm really lost. I'm like, how is this even happening? Like, I just, I've been doing the same thing for a while, maybe not as focused, but I've been communicating online and in the same manner that I feel like I'm doing now. But once I see people share my content and you know respond to it and message me, it's still surreal to me. It's, I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea how, how I've been as effective as I have been without really intentionally trying to get any particular results from what I'm doing. I'm just advocating and people tend to like what I say or, you know, gravitate towards it and, and share it and post it. So it's honestly, yeah, my social media in general is just a shock to me that people pay attention to much of what I say <laughs> at all. It's cool. It kind of speaks to the way, like, it sounds like, and I think you said this, that you're, you're kind of almost like your priority is to create stuff and, and the results of what you create is kind of secondary, right? Like you're more interested in making the things that you make and letting them kind of, maybe do their job on their own or you don't even it's it, almost like you don't even think about it you're like it oh, is it I, I i guess i'm trying to get my head around that especially because one of my challenges is that i'm always thinking about what someone else is going to think about what i'm doing and it kind of st- can paralyze me sometimes so that's why i'm especially like whoa how do you get your head in that place because that would be cool to suddenly be like oh wow this thing i made someone else saw it i didn't even think about that was going to happen you know like that seems like a relief oh it really is and someone recently said something to that nature of um uh, uh the words escape me but it's all about uh, is gary vanacek are you familiar with who he is yeah 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 okay so i've watched a lot of his talks and um videos and he says he's just in love with the process. The results are, you know, all to, uh, initially, well, all the time are really insignificant. It's just about doing the work. That's the part that I think I'm in love with as a creative. I just want to do the work. If people like it, so be it. But I'm so in love with just what I do 
that I don't, I guess I don't care if people like it or not. I mean, it's cool that people like it, but the process is just so fulfilling. That's why I continue to do anything that I do creatively, whether I'm going to take photos at sanctuaries. I mean, I do want people to like it because I do want people to see animals as, you know, loving, intelligent beings. But, you know, ultimately, it's just about fulfilling my creative needs and my creative desires. And once I share it with people, my job is already done. My work has already been completed. So at that point, anything else is just icing on cake. I feel like a lot of times when I talk to people on this podcast, there's a little nugget that I'm like, oh, take that. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like that that energy seems so cool. Like it's something that, you know, it's been, you know, I, a lot of times when, when I'm looking at like needing to do something different in my life, I find myself drilling down on the what I perceive as the problem instead of looking at like, oh, what a cool benefit I'll get when I stop <laughs> looking at things this way, right? And hearing you talk about that really made me like, oh, that's cool. Like instead of, you know, wallowing in the problem and, and just really perpetuating it by thinking about it so much, there's this sort of lightness that you have of like, oh, no, isn't it great to make stuff? Like, I, I'm going to take that with me. So thanks oh. for dropping that. Oh, no problem. Yeah, that yeah, that is so, and I think it relieves a lot of stress and I, th I think expectations, and that's another thing, like not to get too deep and philosophical, but expectations are driven by the ego because we want things to be a certain way. If I make this song or if I make this video, I want, you know, 10,000 people to like it and I want X amount of sales and these expectations um, are really just to feed our egos. I mean, sometimes, obviously, when you make art or create anything and you are using it as a source of income, then obviously, you know, you want to be successful in it. But on a spiritual level, we are also trying to feed our ego with these expectations. So that's why you have to kind of let go because the universe is going to be the universe. If one person likes it, a million people are going to like it. It's almost, it, I mean, it's essentially out of your hands. There are things that you can do maybe to help people like things more. But ultimately, um, I do feel like if I have any certain expectations of anything that I produce, I feel like I'm trying to feed my ego. So that's why I just try to stay focused on the actual craft and what I'm doing and detach myself from the expectations. Mm. That's kind of like, we, we touched on this for a, a second before I started recording, but it feels like, and I'm always feel creepy saying this, but like a benefit of being in this kind of fucked up world we're in right now, right? With the pandemic and like a lot of things are happening, but there's, it, it can serve as a reminder that like, like you said, I think you said something like the universe is going to just keep doing what it's doing, we don't have any control over that. We have control over, you know, what we do with our situation and, and what is happening around us. Did I, did I misrepresent what you said there? No, that is perfectly, uh, that is accurate. And even, I think that helps me out with doing activism and outreach too, because I know a lot of people feel that when they advocate for animals, like it is horrible what happens to animals. But, you know, a lot of people feel they can't, compartmentalize how they feel and when they encounter other people that may not feel the same way. 
you know, most of my family eats animal, animals. Most of my friends eat animals. Most of the people in the world eats animals. And I've come to understand that, you know, that it's the universe doing what it does. My job is to do what I do. So if I have close friends that don't stop eating animals or won't become vegan, you know, I'm still going to love them. I'm still going to have them in my life. I totally 1000% disagree with their choice, but I also won't let what they do impact my um, happiness and my well-being because I can't control what's out of myself. What's, um, I can't control external things. I can only control internal things. So if I speak to a thousand people about being vegan and none of them go vegan, well, I put my energy towards making more people um, not contribute to animal suffering. That's literally why I'm here. The results are out of my hand. Is that challenging for you sometimes? Are there times when it's it's hard to let go of the outcome of your advocacy? No. So I think initially when I first began doing advocacy, it was a it was more challenging. I've kind of always been, I guess, cool in a sense of things don't bother me a lot. Like, I mean, we're all human, so we all have a different range of emotions. We get mad, angry, happy, sad about a variety of things. But the more and more that I've done it, uh, the less that I feel attached to, you know, converting people or doing anything like that. I, now it hasn't been a challenge and it actually gets easier the more and more that I do it and the more and more that I advocate. Like I said, it's just all about putting my energy towards the change that I want to see. Mm. Ah, love it. <laughs> I like I there's always this selfish part of me in doing this podcast that I've like get to talk to people who say stuff that I need to hear. So I love it. Um there's one last thing I want to throw out there that you mentioned before that I'm curious about. Um when you said you left your corporate job, like I didn't know any of this history. Is there is there a story there? Oh, yeah, so I was working in banking for about well almost a decade. And I was a bank teller. And so I started out my first job at 17. I was in a retail store. Then I worked um, at a golf course for like a couple of summers and I still can't play golf. So I don't, that was just uh, funny that I was working there. Um, (laughs) But then I got into banking. And um, so I've always kind of had like like an entrepreneurial sense. And I also think that helps my uh, just social media and my activism because I just kind of look at how I can uh, either produce content or just put things out in the world from a almost like a business state of mind. But um, so, yeah, I was working in corporate America and banking for about a decade. And when I started out, it was OK. But the more and more that I did work there, I, like I said, I'm a creative person. So that just didn't resonate after seven or eight years. It's like, okay, I just can't do this anymore. It became so sales driven, so money driven, and less about customers and interacting with them. So I just decided I'm going to save up enough money. And I did it, what, two years in advance. I was like, okay, in two years, if I save up X amount of money, I'll be able to leave and take a year and a half off. And that's what I did. So I put like this two year plan in place. And when that time came up, I left. And that's when I went on this. I guess, journey of self-discovery and started discovering things like meditation, being mindful, um, started looking into Buddhism and Hinduism and 
came across veganism and ethical veganism and that all came together i would say about four or five years ago wow ah i love these i love these stories i'm so glad that you're Look, I, I feel like I'm gushing at this point, like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Uh, but sincerely, like, I knew, like, I liked your work because I've, like, seen you on social media and, like, I know everything you do. Um, but uh, it's really, it's been really great to talk to you. We should, like, come to the end of this part of our conversation. Um, but I don't want to do that without a couple of things. One is making sure people know where to find you online, where the best place to track you down. Correct. So you can always go to my website, soulubanks, S-O-U-L-E-U-B-A-N-K-S dot com. And I have all of my social media, my Patreon there. Um, but if you're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter uh, and Facebook, it's S-O-U-L underscore Eubanks. And you can find me there on all the social media platforms and also on Patreon at patreon.com slash soulubanks. Speaking of Patreon... Um, if you're listening to this conversation, you're like, no, don't stop. I want more. You can go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Michael Heron. And uh, on Wednesday, I'll be putting up an extended interview with Soul, um, where we'll be talking about more in-depth stuff. Um, so you can go there and subscribe and check out that podcast. I think there are like 50 now bonus podcasts there. So there's lots of good stuff. Um, all right. Last thing we should mention. Oh, I also should say um, I'm going to put... Uh, links in the show notes of this episode to where you can find soul as well. So uh, if you didn't catch all that, don't worry. You can just go to MikeyPod.com and there'll be a ton of links there for you too. Um, we're going to listen to another one of your songs. Awesome. Let's do it. Yeah, this one's called Without a Dollar. Anything you want us to know about it before we listen? Oh, so yeah, this is definitely just personal, very reflective. I talk about um, my experience and growing up and the dynamic relationship between, you know, me and my mom and how we were happy, even though we didn't have a lot. I mean, it's not, I don't want to overstate it. Like we were just dirt poor or anything. It wasn't anything like that, but, um, you know, we weren't well off. So it was just finding happiness and without needing the monetary things in life. I love it. Well, let's give it a listen. Thanks. Soul Eubanks for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you. And uh, here is Without a Dollar. Yeah. Without a dollar, so I had to dream a lot. That's what I sing about, 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 about now. Born without a dollar, so I had to dream a lot. That's what I sing about, 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 about now. Born without a dollar, so I had to dream a lot. That's what I sing about, 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 about now. Born without a dollar, so I had to dream a lot. That's what I sing about, 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 about now. Born without a dollar, so I had to dream a lot. And every now and then, I had to help my mama out. Had to pay a couple bills. We was doing whatever we had to do to live, eating. Whatever we had in the fridge, some days was good, some days was bad, some days was some days was cool, some days was chill. But most of the time we made it do perfectly fine on our own. Now 
nowadays I just use a lot of those things that I learned to be the man that I am. Warm heart, cold world, sun rise on my eyes. I'm just glad to be heard, to be here, to be clear. A lot of niggas ain't make it. They died in the matrix. They died in the making of their story being told. God rest they soul. I'm just doing what I know in my soul and my core. It's a man that is lost. They got tossed in this world. Trying to keep my balance while I just turn, turn, turn. Born without a dollar, so I had to dream a lot. That's what I sing about, 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 about now. Born without a dollar, so I had to dream a lot. That's what I sing about, 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 about now. Born without a dollar, so I had to dream a lot. That's what I sing about, 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 about now. Born without a dollar, so I had to dream a lot. That's what I sing about, 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 about now. Cause mama worked so hard Even though she earned every dollar that they gave They ain't give her much to show for it Damn, the bus driver was our chauffeur Coming home tired every day With our foot sore What's the curse and gift that she passed down to me Had to earn every dollar Got no pass down money Rothschilds, Rockefellers passed down Hundreds to their kids We just passed down Struggles on their beat I just grab down from inside of my soul Deep from inside Then the ink slide over the paper I just hope you rewind when you hear it I just hope you decide you can feel it Put my soul on my sleeve And I smear it It's a lot of kids Reason with no heat In the winter It's a lot of seeds Planted in the dirt With no water Kids being born in this world With no warning Falling through the cracks In the pit Said first with no harness In the AM at the midnight In the morning Born without a dollar So I had to dream a lot That's what I sing about About, about, about now Born without a dollar So I had to dream a lot That's what I sing about About, about, about now Born without a dollar So I had to dream a lot that's what I sing about, 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 about now. Born without a dollar, so I had to dream a lot. That's what I sing about, 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 about not now. That was Soul Eubanks with Without a Dollar. And this is Michael Heron, your host. You know this already. We covered that at the beginning of the podcast. Thanks for listening today. And be sure to check out MikeyPod.com so you could find out all the different ways you can connect with Soul Eubanks. Check out his work, his photography, his music, his videos, all that stuff. Um, that's it. I'll see you all next week. Have a great week. Bye.